0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, good evening, everyone. It's great to be here tonight. I'd like to take the word of God, please, and turn to Second Corinthians, chapter two. 2 Corinthians, chapter two. Okay, making sure my mic was working. Second Corinthians two tonight. I'm going to talk on um, a heavy topic, a hard topic for some, and I just wanted to give that warning, just to just to try and. Accept it and see what God can do for you in your life in this topic that we'll speak on tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're actually going to read the whole chapter of chapter 2. And then you're welcome to just stay in 2 Corinthians because we're going to go through some things. I'm going to show you some things because when we read the whole chapter, it's a lot to take in. And I need to review and go through some things. I will hop over in some other scriptures. But... The main focus tonight is 2 Corinthians 2. Let's begin reading. But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. For if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me? And I wrote the same unto you, lest when I came I should have sorrow from them whom I ought to rejoice." having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you should know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if I have caused grief, he have not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all, sufficient to such as a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise... Whew, that's going to trip me up tonight. Ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him, for to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, if your, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. "'Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, "'and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, "'I had no rest in my spirit, "'because I found not Titus my brother, "'but taking my leave of them, "'I went from thence to Macedonia. "'Now thanks be unto God, "'which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, "'and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge "'by us in every place.'" For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, and them that are saved, and in them that perish. To to the one we are a savor of death unto death, and to the other a savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ." wonderful a lot to take in in one big chapter and we will go through that tonight something i believe every american loves is justice it's like that's a part it's like that's a part of us it's intertwined and i believe in being an american is a lot of things but one of them is we love justice we love when justice is carried out when when the good guy wins and we win, and, and at any time when anybody will do something to America, you betcha we're going to get back at them. I know I'm from the north now. I said, you betcha, right away. Haven't preached for five minutes. Okay, we're going to get right back at them, and we're, and we're going to tear them up. Of course we are, because we love justice. Another thing, uh, how justice is in our culture is in just about every single movie, is a huge thing of justice. I can can tell you the plot of three-quarters of every movie that was ever created. There's the main character, and life is good, and someone crosses him or her. The movie goes on on how that main character is going to get back at that person, the climax is when the main character does get back at that person and, and wins the battle, wins the fight, wins the war, and, and whatnot. And then the resolution of the story is when life is good again and justice was served. If you think of, maybe if you think of your favorite movie of all time in an extremely simplified way, that is what the movie is kind of about. Maybe, kind of, you know, if you will. And in in every movie and just a part of being American, we love justice. Tonight, I'm actually not going to talk about justice, as I bet you could have guessed. I'm going to talk about the opposite of justice. I believe the first word that comes to mind is mercy. Brother Ruckman gave a great sermon on mercy. It was about a month or two ago. and It was very memorable to me. I'm going to talk on something else instead of mercy something that goes hand-in-hand with mercy, and that is forgiveness. I want to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a major misunderstood Bible topic. Major misunderstood. We have opinions on on what we believe um, mercy to be, and we can each give our own definition, and some of us might stray from another and even though we're all Christians, we're Christ followers, that my definition or your definition of, of forgiveness might change or tweak a little bit. Some people believe that their definition of forgiveness is quite simple. Forgiving is forgetting. And um, I don't really see how that can be possible. If we are all honest with each other and honest with God... We don't forget. We know. We remember when somebody crossed us. We remember when we were hurt. We remember that offense. And somehow we're supposed to develop a spiritual Alzheimer's that we are just supposed to forget it. You just let it go and forget it. And I don't really see how that's possible. That I can't forget things in my mind. I don't have the power to erase memories, and um, just, and I don't want to bash anyone, but just in my personal opinion, I don't think forgiving is forgetting, because it's, I don't think I can reach that, and so I want to talk about forgiveness. James, excuse me, if everyone is honest, we all remember those things, and there are little triggers and little reminders of when we were hurt and when we were offended and when somebody has done something wrong to us. And sometimes we just don't know what to do with those memories. And we don't know what to do with that thing, that, that hurt that somebody has, has put on us. And then we start holding anger. And then we start holding a grudge. And we start holding bitterness. And, and you still don't know how to take care of that James 5, 9, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. You cannot find a biblical justification to hold a grudge. In no place in the Bible does it give you an okay and a reason to hold a grudge. And we all know of people that we have forgiven and maybe Some people that we have still yet to forgive. There are people also who are angry at God and they want forgiveness from God. Um, I don't want to touch on this very long, but I'll just say that God does not make a mistake. God is sinless. And in whatever He did in your life, it was not a mistake. And I understand that I don't know the circumstance, I don't know your story. I don't know what's going on. I don't. I'll, I'll honestly say that I don't. But we have to put in faith that God's got it under control. He's got it covered. And he's taking care of it. And in, in Matthew eleven six, 6, it says, And blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. Blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. In context of this verse, really quickly, um, He's actually talking about John the Baptist. At this time, John the Baptist was sitting in a prison cell for preaching Jesus Christ. And John would be in there, kind of bitter, kind of holding a grudge, kind of, um, God. Jesus, do you know Jesus called him the greatest of all time? In the Bible, you can see, besides Jesus himself, Jesus calls John the Baptist the greatest of all time. As we like to say, the goat. He was the greatest. And now he's sitting in a prison cell. That doesn't sound like the greatest of all time to me. And John can be holding this grudge against God, and Jesus says, preaching somewhere else, blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. John, I I got this. Let me show people something. Let me take care of this. Blessed is the man who doesn't get upset and doesn't worry about the way God runs his business and the way God runs his creation. We need to remember that. And the way God deals in your life, in another person's life, in your adolescent years, in your married years, in your health, in your career, and in many things, blessed is he that doesn't get offended in God. I believe blessed is he that just, just lets God take care of it. You've got it. Go ahead. Even someone as close as John the Baptist was to Jesus, they were related, by the way. They were close guys. I believe they were probably close friends. I wouldn't see why not. They were close guys. And somebody as close to Jesus as John the Baptist didn't understand what was going on in his life. There's been times, there probably is still a time, I don't understand what's going on in my own life. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to understand what's going on in your life and for some reason why you can't come to forgiveness. But I will say, you may not have an understanding, but it is a faith that we need to use. God's got to take care of. God's got it in control. Number one, Forgiving prevents anguish and sorrow. I know some like to write. I appreciate those who do. Forgiving prevents anguish and sorrow. 2 Corinthians 2.7. Here we are. 2 Corinthians 2.7. So that contrary wise... I knew that was going to mess it up. So that contrary wise, ye ought to rather forgive him and comfort him, Lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up in overmuch sorrow. Paul wrote the first seven verses talking to the Corinthian church again after he wrote 1 Corinthians. If you've ever read 1 Corinthians, then you have read what I like to call a spiritual spanking. Corinth, the church, got whooped in 1 Corinthians, they were in big trouble. And and Paul, in under Holy Spirit um, guidance, was upset with the church at Corinth and how they messed up. And Paul is saying in this verse, I don't want to come back in sorrow. I hope you guys took care of some stuff. I don't want to come back angry. I don't want to give you another whooping, kind of like a parent to a child. I don't want to do this again. It's not something that I found joy in. I really hope you guys got it taken care of. What I had the what the problem was. You know what the problem was. There was a dividing spirit in the church. There was hero worship. There was a member suing another member. Immorality, misunderstanding in marriage, real Christian liberty was skewed. Misuse of the Lord's supper. And misunderstanding of spiritual gifts. They totally missed the mark on big doctrinal things. And if any church got a spanking in the first century, definitely Corinth. They were tore up one side and down the other. And Paul said, I don't wanna come back angry. I don't wanna come back upset. I don't wanna come back sorrowful. You guys need to take care of what was wrong. And you know what they needed to do? They needed to forgive. They needed to forgive. Among other things, like what I mentioned, they needed to forgive. They needed to clean up. They needed to, as a church as a whole, come together again and let go of some things that were happening. Did you know in Acts 18, Paul started this church in Corinth? And he was, he was, he was the church planter of, of the church at Cl- Corinth. So that just adds that, you know, this is his, his baby or it, this is just something that he started. This is a work that he began. And did you know, you know, think of a missionary work that begins. He is the one that led those people to the Lord. He is probably the one that ordained a pastor over the church before he left. He's probably the one that started, you know, we're going to start the whatever. This is when the, the time of worship begins. This is what we're going to do. Paul started that. He was the pastor. He was there for a year and a half, and he says, I don't want to come back as a pastor and whoop you guys up again. That's not fun. You guys need to take care of your forgiveness. You need to empty and take care of what I listed in, in 1 Corinthians Paul wanted forgiveness taken care of so they can fellowship again in joy. I'll say point number one again, forgiving prevents anguish and sorrow. Forgiving among God's people, among the saints, brings joy. You can sit in this church and justify holding a grudge and justify Feeling bitter and feeling angry, malicious towards someone in this church. And I guarantee you, listen to me, I guarantee you, you're hindering the joy that God has for you, and you're hindering the joy of this church. I promise. And something that kind of amazes me is that how most people don't think that they matter. Well, I don't attend very often. I'm not the one leading singing. I'm not the one praying. So my little bicker and bitterness against someone must not really matter. According to the word of God, ma'am, sir, you're wrong. We need to take care of our unforgiveness. We need to take care and talk to those people that we need to talk to. And sure, it can be justified. You can let it go. And you can sit in your pew, you can sit in your pew and, and keep your bitterness and anger, and you can be right. You can be right. Sure you can. Or you can choose joy. My parents, my dad actually taught me a good lesson, and one that I've chewed over for a while. He said, you can be right, or you can be happy. And I had to think over that a while, Something special in my life, something that's new, is that I have a sweetheart now. That's new. That's exciting to me. That's something that hasn't happened, and it's new roads that I'm paving in my life, and it's a good old time, and it's fun. When I first began speaking to her, I made her a promise. I said, I promise I will never fight and argue with you because it's not worth it. And it kind of took her back. It surprised her. She said, well, you know, um, sometimes we might disagree. And I said, I agree. We might disagree. We might disagree on something, but I promise I'm not going to fight and argue over it because here's what I said. Oh, this scored me so many points. Listen to this. It took her by surprise and things. I said, sure, we will disagree, but it's not worth fighting over because you're worth fighting over. That was it. That's when, yep, that's when it was done, I believe. That's a joke. I'm just kidding. I think I did say that, though. I remembered it. Okay. I I laugh and keep your attention. Now... Church members, there are certain things that are not worth fighting over. It doesn't matter. It's not, if we aren't, you know, I learned this in Bible college. Pastors can split hairs while the world is going to hell. And church, we can split hairs. We can, sure, we can disagree on some things. And I'm sure that the person I'm going to marry, we might disagree on some things here and there. And I'm not going to fight her over it. I'm not going to bicker. I'm not going to turn up a bad attitude because it's not worth it. And there are people in here that need to go to someone, ask for forgiveness, or tell them, I've had a wrong against you. I want you to know it's not worth it. And I choose joy over this wrong. Because one more time, would you rather be right and sit in your pew with anger, and not get your prayers answered, and not get any joy from the church, and not get anything worth anything, and sit in emptiness in your pew, and be right? Or would you rather have joy? Forgiving prevents anguish and sorrow. I'm going to read a familiar verse, Ephesians four thirty one. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Ephesians four thirty two, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving. Ugh. One more time, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted and. Forgiving. forgiving one another in the church will lift you. We need to just let it go because it doesn't matter. All right. Forgiving prevents anguish and sorrow. Forgiving proves allegiance to the Savior. Forgiving proves allegiance to the Savior. 2 Corinthians 2.10 2 Corinthians 2.10, you should be there. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. God gives us opportunities to forgive every day. You know, we can look at things on, on a bad way or in a good way. I try and be as positive as possible, and also and real as possible, too. And, and I can see the difference in my coworkers when some of them are just they see the negative. I have a guy that comes to me and just likes to you know, my coworkers don't do this, and that and yours do, and oh man, and he's a manager and, and he's got problems, man. But we can all look at things in a good way and in a bad way. And God gives us opportunities, a good opportunity to forgive. We can look at it in a good way. It's a weird way of looking at it. By the way, forgiveness is unnatural, very unnatural. The first thing we want to do is justice, which is why I started the sermon with that. We want justice. Of course we do. It is so unnatural to be forgiving. Every day you can lay down the heavy millstone. You can, every day, you can lay down the grudge and bitterness and anger. And it, even if it is justified, it could very well be justified. You can get rid of it and take up the opportunity to forgive. Ask God to live a life of forgiveness through you. A good opportunity to forgive is during an invitation. We're going to have it um, later on this evening. Uh, a CD is going to play and you'll get a time to pray alone to yourselves and we can get a time to forgive and then maybe it's a phone call you need to make I want each individual individual to th- think for yourself maybe it's a phone call we need to make maybe it's somebody on this side of the church maybe it's somebody on that side of the church There are rooms in this church open for anyone to talk things through and to get rid of these things and take an opportunity, a good, welcome opportunity to forgive. I'm sorry, but we can't live without injustices to us. And it's a part of being sinful. It's a part of sin. Nobody escapes it and we can't deal with it now. If we can't deal with forgiving people now, Then, what are those? What's going to happen later when we get crossed again, when we get hurt again? Then it keeps piling on. And then uh, God can forgive you. You can choose unforgiveness, you can choose forgiveness. God will forgive you, fill you with a comfort, peace, and kindness. Then He'll start doing things in you, doing things through you and then doing things for you. I'm, gonna, I'm taking that from someone else that taught me that. This person said, many, many of us pray for God to do things for us. Sure, there's nothing wrong with that. God, for, for God to do things for us, and sometimes first he needs to do something in us first. If we're, if, let's be honest. First something needs to be done in us before God can do something for us. And maybe tonight, for someone, you know, if I get one person to get forgiveness tonight, this sermon and the study time, 100% worth it. If one person, if somebody, takes the time tonight and forgive, then God will start doing something in your life, in you. And then once you've taken that step of faith, watch what he does through you to prove to you that you made the right decision and then finally god will be happy to do things for you he'll be happy too colossians 3:13 forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as christ forgave you so also do ye very quickly i have a question Um, what if they are undeserving? What if they are undeserving of our forgiveness? Because I I promise you, probably, maybe, most likely, somebody is undeserving of your forgiveness. I understand. I know. They don't deserve you to forgive them. Something that can be said about this is, How deserving was I when Jesus Christ saved me? Um, How deserving was I (laughs) when I came to the Lord in salvation? Uh, Not very deserving. And today and yesterday when all of us, any of us, came to the Lord because we sinned and we knew it, we came to him and asked for forgiveness and we were true and we were real and he answered our prayer and forgave us. How deserving were we of that? And that completely eliminates any question on how deserving somebody else is for our forgiveness. doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. We just ought to forgive. Forgiving prohibits an advantage to Satan. I'll do our first point. Forgiving prevents anguish and sorrow. Forgiving proves allegiance to the Savior. Forgiving prohibits an advantage to Satan. 2 Corinthians 2.11. You're probably there. This is an important one. This is a fun point too. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should get an advantage over us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Did you know getting an advantage over us, this is a wrestling term, and I know that I have two wrestlers here this evening. I'd like to ask Brother Juan and Brother Emmanuel to come down here, and we're going to give an illustration. I like illustrations, picture stories. They make me remember something. So just in case I have my notes here, Brother Juan... Uh, You can have a seat, and Emmanuel, we're going to stand in the middle, right here. Perfect. I remembered all of this. Lest Satan should get an advantage over us. Okay. Advantage is is a wrestling term. Brother Emmanuel here, he's a wrestler, and he wrestles big time. So, all right, get into your wrestling stance, sir. Okay. So him and I are going to wrestle. In this illustration, I, I will be Satan and he will be every Christian, each individual person in this room. So him and I are going are gonna to wrestle right now. Okay, stop. Who has the advantage? You can answer, go ahead. Who has the advantage? I do. Because I am deep and wide. <laughs> I have the advantage not because, did you know I've never wrestled a day in my life other than just for fun in my backyard. I've never wrestled a day in my life, and he's done many matches. My advantage is that I am much taller than him, and I have the weight over him. Not that I'm so much stronger, but I have the height and the weight. And is there 10 out of 10 times, I'm sorry to say, I'm going to win. I'm like, not to be rude, I'm, I'm going to win. 10 out of 10 times, I can probably overpower, he's, he's, he's a fast little man, I can probably overpower him because of my height and my weight. As a Christian, okay, this is our illustration, Emmanuel is every Christian in this room. As a Christian, you will never defeat the devil with unforgiveness, ever, ever. If Emmanuel has unforgiveness in his life and he squares up against me, I will beat him every time. And Satan has an advantage over us, an advantage when we harbor unforgiveness, when we harbor the anger, the bitterness, the malice, and just we just want to tear someone apart, you'll always lose. Always. And I... As Satan, the clutches will be right here, and they will never move until Emmanuel goes to his father, "So brother Juan, will you come here and stand next to next to Emmanuel?" Okay, now both of us, all three of us, excuse me now let's get into our wrestling stance. Okay, now who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Okay, the Vargas fan. You know, Brother Juan and, and Brother Juan and, and Emmanuel. I've I've never wrestled a day in my life. I have the height on Brother Juan, but he has the muscle, and both of us are close to equal, probably on our weight. But he has the skills, the capability of winning our fight. Who is Juan to Emmanuel? Say say that out loud. Or it is Juan is at, um, earthly, earthly. It's his, it's his father. When, when us as Christians go to our father asking for forgiveness, when Emmanuel goes to his father or goes to another church member asking for forgiveness and saying, this isn't worth it, I'm not going to be right. I'm going to choose joy. Did you know that my clutch on him now versus Juan and Emmanuel is broken. My advantage is taken. It's gone. A good reminder is that Satan is no match to God. Hallelujah. It's a good reminder that Lucifer is a created being, and he in no way is a match toward God. Me versus Emmanuel is a no contest on my end. Juan and Emmanuel versus me is a no contest on their end. They will always win. And I can, you know, I can put Emmanuel in some kind of hold for probably two seconds, and if I tell Juan to break me out, I'm not even going to tell him because he's going to do it. I, he's, he's better than me. He's stronger. The advantage is gone when Emmanuel, as all of us as Christians, go to our Father Heavenly Father, asking for forgiveness, the advantage is broken. The wrestling term advantage is broken. You may be seated, both of you. Thank you. There's something else I find interesting in this, and I want to read, quickly read that verse again. 2 Corinthians 2.11. I'm going to say something wrong, and I want you to catch it lest Satan should get an advantage of you. Unless Satan should get an advantage of you. Instead, did you catch that? It said us. Here's something I find amazing is that each and every one of you has some kind of, as a church in a whole, can give an advantage or disadvantage to Satan in using unforgiveness And forgiveness. The Bible says it. It's not even me. The Bible says it. Unless he should get an advantage over us. Paul was writing to his church that he started, excuse me, in Corinth, and he included himself. He said, Lest Satan should get an advantage over us. And I said this before, I'll say it again. People believe that I just don't matter. I'm not the most faithful person. I'm not the one that wears the suit and tie. I'm not the one that comes to the stage and plays the piano and so on. You know, if I have some anger towards someone else that I have, it really doesn't matter. Unless Satan should have an advantage over us. It does matter. Us. Collectively. Together. As a church, Eastside Baptist Church, I don't care who you are. I don't care you're Race, I don't care your age, a little boy and a little girl can have a dispute and anger against each other, and Satan has the advantage in our church. Isn't that crazy? I, I thought that, I was like, wow, every single member matters. Just to let you know. I mean, that's a good thing. That's, that's a reason to smile. Every single member matters. And when you harbor unforgiveness, give Satan the advantage. Give it to him he'll have it he'll take it all you know if you need a this is a good point to write down of those who are writing when we don't forgive we aren't acting very forgiven when we don't forgive we aren't acting very forgiven all right Forgiving prevents anguish and sorrow. Forgiving proves allegiance to the Savior. Forgiving prohibits an advantage to Satan. Finally, forgiving promotes acceptance of salvation. 2 Corinthians 2.12. We're there. Go ahead and read that. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. What is Christ's gospel all about? Well, of course we know that. Uh, it's about forgiveness. We know that. Paul came to preach Christ's gospel. He was preaching forgiveness. Praise the Lord. How sins can be forgiven. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The gospel is credible when those who talk about eternal forgiveness forgive other people. The gospel is used, in a good way, the gospel is used when people who preach the gospel, not only preach, but tell and speak and pass the gospel, when those people do that and they forgive, you are giving credibility. You are saying that this gospel works. That's exactly what you're saying. But what if we don't? It's like a Ford salesman driving a Chevy. It's, it's speaking out of one end of your mouth and doing the other. It doesn't make sense. And if, a, you know, if, if that actually happened, you would say, Hey, You told me this was the best car on the lot, this Ford was the best car on the lot, there's none, there's none better like it, and this is the best car for me for the rest of my life. And I see that you're driving something else. What's up with that? That doesn't make sense. You know what happens? The same thing happens when we witness to people, let me tell you about God, let me man, you can get eternal forgiveness. It's great. And we know that we're going to heaven, a place that we don't deserve and then those people find out one way or another, you, you're having a hard time forgiving someone else. They're very contradictory. Very, they don't make sense. And it's like a Ford salesman driving a Chevy. It doesn't make sense. It's wrong. Forgiving others promotes acceptance of salvation it makes the gospel credible. It makes salvation receivable. And it, and, and it tells people, hey, what I have, forgiveness, it, being forgiven, it, it works. It, it works. And it gives it juice. It gives it credibility. Everyone has been wronged. And the difference between some people and others is some people count them up. And, and keep a list and a book of how many wrongs and they can tell you each detail and how they were wronged and when and what the weather was like when they were wronged. And then there's others that just choose joy and let it go and forgive. The gospel is more receivable when those spreading it show that forgiveness works. You know how many hours I spend with my coworkers is about 45 hours a week. Sometimes I see my coworkers more than I see my parents who I live with. And that's just, that's the truth. If I get the chance to show my coworkers forgiveness, then I'm getting a chance to show them the gospel worked in me. This can work in you too. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? It works. Do you ever wonder why? something happens to you and you're on the receiving end of something that was wrong. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not, it's not right. And it is, it is unjustified. Somebody hurt you and crossed you and it is wrong. It is unjustified and it's no fair. Well, it, it wasn't fair what happened to Job. Job. We can think about Job very quickly. Remember, Satan came to heaven and he said, Job only follows you for two reasons. Because you bless him and because if, if, if you stop those blessings, he's just going to curse your name. That's the only, it's the only two reasons Job follows you. And God said, Have you considered, have you considered Job? God says, Watch this. Watch. Watch what my... Son, can do and prove to Satan that he can be f- forgiven. Someone is going through things right now, and you didn't plan it, you don't deserve it. But look at it as this God is giving you an opportunity to forgive, an opportunity to show Satan. To show others, to show your family members, watch this, the gospel works. Watch this, I can give forgiveness because I believe this, this works. Watch this. I don't, you know, we don't need to go around trying to get hurt. We don't need to go around trying to be crossed. I'm not saying that. But in the beginning of the message, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get to pass forgiveness. You know what's crazy? When God uses bad situations and brings good out of them. That's one of the best things God is good at. I mean, he's good at everything. So that was a foolish statement. But one of the best things that I see in my life is just how I'm like, I don't know how you're going to do this one, God. Good luck. I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. You know, I don't know how a wrong thing can happen. And each and every one of you can come to me, you can tell me how you were wronged, you can, I can give you an hour, and you can spill your story on me, and I don't know why it happened. I want you to look at it that God gave you an opportunity to forgive, and God can somehow bring something good out of what has gone wrong. You can't go through something somebody hasn't already gone through God has given you an opportunity to forgive. Finally, I'll end with this. We are all guilty of the same sins, and we think the thoughts, whether or not we see them through, but I have been forgiven, and God can forgive you too.